Hi everyone, I'm Stacy Martin. Welcome to The Bridge Podcast. Last week, I told you we had something a little different coming for this week, and it's true, we do. This week, we've got a series of four talks answering four really important questions that people are dealing with right now. We're gonna be talking about things like fear and anxiety, isolation and loneliness, worrying about provision, especially if you've lost your job or taken a pay cut during the COVID-19 disruption, and relationships. We're gonna look at these questions and see where God shows up in each one of these. If you're like me, you're gonna hear these talks, these four short talks, and you're gonna find yourself in these. I could resonate with all four of these questions, but it also made me think about people in my life who are struggling, uh, struggling with fear and anxiety, struggling with isolation and loneliness, struggling about wondering if God's gonna show up in their next paycheck, all these things. And I realized that these would be incredible tools to put into your hands as bridge builders. Here at Forest Hill, we have all committed to this year to building a relationship with someone disconnected from God and having a a conversation about faith with them by the end of the year. And so I wanted to get this information, these talks into your hands. So one, you could tuck them into your own heart, but two, that you could possibly share them with somebody in your life who could stand to hear a little hope. I think we could all use a little hope right now. If you are someone who is receiving this from somebody, you may be thinking, hey, I didn't realize I was gonna be part of some bridge building challenge. Well, you're not. I want you to know that you got these this podcast because you are dearly, dearly loved. There is somebody in your life who cares about you like crazy. And they care about you like crazy because God cares about you like crazy. So I hope you enjoy these podcasts. I hope uh, it's something that Um, We'll equip you with some hope, give you some strength in the days to come, and know that we're here for you, praying for you, and cheering you on. Have a great day. See you next week. What would happen if we give everyone an invitation to the table, believing everybody has something to bring and every generation some wisdom to share? What would happen if the passionate people of God became known for building bridges, making connections where there were once divides? What would happen if the love of God sparks a movement, transforming our own lives, our relationships, our communities? Let's find out together. Welcome to Bridged, a podcast about connection. Hi there, and thank you for tuning in to Why. My name is Andy, and I'm going to be your guide, your host for the next few minutes as we have some conversations with friends of mine about some of the big questions that a lot of us are asking right now. This is an unprecedented time, at least in my life. I can't remember a season where the entire world has been so captivated by one thing, and all of us on the same page at the same time. And what that's done for a lot of us, if you're like me, is it's made us ask a lot of really big questions. Questions like, why is this happening? What do I do with the fear that I feel? When will things get back to normal? What does this mean for relationships? We're gonna be talking about some of these questions tonight. A couple of business items before we jump into our first talk. This is designed so that you can have a conversation with a friend of yours. So we hope that you will end up sharing this and that you will end up engaging one another in conversations as well. We think it's gonna go uh, much better that way, uh, especially because we all need community during this season. 
The other thing is that we are going to be presenting questions and answering them both in a very practical way, and we hope you walk away with some practical things, but we're also going to be talking about these questions from a spiritual standpoint, because we are spiritual people. All of us are. Everyone who is on this show is a Christian, and we are all Jesus followers, and that means that we believe that what we believe impacts how we behave. What we believe about the world around us will dictate how we engage the situation that we find ourselves in. So questions of faith, questions of spirituality are as important now as they have ever been, maybe even more so. So with that being said, let's jump into our first talk. We're gonna be looking at what do I do when I experience fear? How can I engage this in a healthy way? And to do that, my friend Todd is going to talk with us. Here's Todd. Is it just me? Or does it feel like there's a lot to be afraid of these days? On the list of top 10 most common fears, we're hitting about five out of 10. There's the fear of pain, sickness, and death, fear of the future, fear of losing income, you know, less money, more problems, and the fear of being alone. And then on top of that, there's spiders to worry about. But maybe that's just a Todd thing. So, how do we cope in healthy ways? How do we face our fears in healthy ways? Think back to when you were a kid. We had night lights, stuffed animals, blankets, or a loved one to run to. But did we ever ask, why did those things help? As we grow up, it's really easy to put aside our coping methods from childhood and repa replace them with things like Screens to distract, substances to numb, and money to secure. But again, have we ever asked what we hope from how we cope? What are we hoping for from what we're coping with? We all want the trouble to go away, but until it does, here's three ways to move toward healthy coping when we're afraid. The first way to move toward healthy coping is to be honest, honest with ourselves and with others. And it can start by checking yourself. Check yourself to become aware of your coping methods and if they're helping. You can also find a friend to fill your bucket so that you never have to walk alone. Someone to confide in, talk to, someone who will be there to encourage you when you're afraid. The second way to move toward healthy coping is wisdom in your thoughts and your actions. And this may mean that you have to slow your scroll. Google doesn't always make the best doctor or therapist, and social media thrives on fear. Instead, let's hijack our habit and cope out on a different practice or a different hobby, like baking, art, or exercise, instead of binging streams, booze, and feeds. And the third way to move towards healthy coping in times of fear is with prayer. This is a free option to the religiously affiliated and the religiously unaffiliated and to those in between. And one way to start doing that is by modifying your meditation from fear to gratitude. Because if you think about it, fear is just a form of meditation, focused attention. So every time that you feel afraid, be grateful. 
Be grateful for something. Bring that to mind. And then another prayer is to ask for what you want, which, if we're honest, is ultimately about peace. We all want the trouble to go away because we all want peace. See, this is the hope behind how we cope, but it's also the reason behind Good Friday. You see, in the face of fear, Jesus offered peace. Here's what he had to say. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Trust in me. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. You see, the peace that the world offers through substance, information, and money is, wants to provide comfort and security and stability. But the peace that Jesus offers is through his death on the cross. Peace with God through forgiveness. Peace with the future through eternal life. And peace with ourselves through unconditional love. We all know that the peace that the world has to offer is temporary and uncertain in times of trouble and when we're afraid. But the peace of the cross is trustworthy and certain in times of trouble and when we are afraid. But that's only if Jesus rose from the dead. Peace is the hope behind what we cope, and it is the gift of Good Friday. The question is, where do we go or who will we trust for peace today and when we're afraid? Man, what a great perspective from my friend Todd. I love how his mind works and what a deep thinker he is. What do we do when we fear? Who do we place our trust in? It's one of those questions that all of us have to answer. And if you're watching this with a friend, uh, then ask them and talk about this with them and share your own perspectives with them. But you can also leave comments here and we would love to interact with you as well. We are airing this on Good Friday and that's by design because we believe that what Christians celebrate on Good Friday, believe it or not, we celebrate the execution of our chief figure, our chief hero, Jesus. And we do that, as you'll hear in just a moment, because there is hope to be found in the crucifixion of Jesus. Good Friday is good for a reason. This next question, we're going to look at the topic, is God really with me? One of the things we're all experiencing right now is increased isolation. But does that mean we're abandoned? And what does the cross of Jesus on Good Friday especially have to tell us about how we handle that isolation? Here's Daniel. The entire world is isolated. And everyone on some level is wrestling with feelings of loneliness. Maybe you've been wondering, where is God? Is God with me? How can I know if God is with me? Over the next couple minutes, let's explore those questions and consider God's answer to our loneliness. I want to show you that God has gone to incredible lengths to do two things. To acquaint himself with loneliness, but also to reveal his unfailing faithfulness. God knows what you're feeling, and he wants you to know that he's with you. But to understand this more, let's go back in time. 2,000 years 
and find Jesus in his final hour. The Son of God sent into the world on a mission of love to restore man and God, and he is hanging from a Roman cross. Beaten, betrayed, mocked, experiencing every ounce of the abandonment that you and I fear, in Jesus' final breaths, he cries out and says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? When Jesus was at his worst point and in his greatest moment of need, he cried out and was met with abandonment from his heavenly Father. Let's just take a second and consider Jesus on that cross in that moment. Alone, misunderstood, confined, literally nailed to a cross. God nowhere to be found. Jesus understands your loneliness. But behind the searing pain of his cry is a hidden message, a proof that God will never abandon you. You see, when Jesus cried out, he was not only sharing the abandonment he was feeling, but he was also quoting a psalm that was written 600 years before that moment, a message from God revealing the way in which God was going to extend his love to the world. So let's take a moment now and let's look at some of that psalm together. Psalm 22. It begins like this. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from me, so far from my cries of anguish? My God, I cry out to you by day, but you do not answer. By night, but I find no rest. Have you ever pleaded with God like that? I know I have. But the psalm then goes on to eerily predict and describe Jesus' sufferings in that moment. I am poured out like water. My heart has melted within me. You lay me in the dust of death. Villains surround me. They pierce my hands and my feet. People divide my clothes among them, and they cast lots for my garment. This happened to Jesus. But then the psalm turns and reveals the result of Jesus' suffering, a promise of hope fulfilled. I will declare your name to my people. In the assembly, I will praise you, for he has not despised or scorned the suffering of the afflicted one. He has not hidden his face from him, but has listened to his cry for help. Future generations will be told about the Lord. They will proclaim his righteousness, declaring to a people yet unborn, he has done it. The cross was not a surprise to Jesus. The abandonment, the suffering that he endured in that moment was always God's answer and the way that he was going to restore us to him. 
and it's revealed in this psalm. So, when God feels far, and he will, know that he is near. When God feels absent, know that he is actually working all things for good. God is with you, and he will never forsake you. So as Daniel just shared with us, there is meaning in the cross. The cross proves to us that God is near, that we are never alone, that we have not been abandoned. That's what it's all about. That's why we can call it Good Friday, because that's the meaning of the cross. Next, we're going to talk with a friend of mine, Lindsay. Uh, Lindsay, I just respect so highly. She's a great thinker. She's a great leader in her workplace, and she's a friend as well. Uh, she's gonna talk with us about relationships. Uh, relationships can be difficult, and when you are isolated from your friends, you add another layer of complexity as well into your friendships. And the question has to be asked by many of us during this time, does God care about my relationships? Does he attentive at all to what's going on in my relationships? Well, she's gonna share with us that absolutely he cares. Here's Lindsay. We're in more relationships than we can count. Most of us are daughters, sons, brothers, sisters, cousins. Some of us are mothers, fathers, grandparents, guardians, step-parents. We're employees, we're neighbors, we're coaches, we're teachers, we're friends, we're sponsors. We are known and named in the context of our relationships. Our lives are centered around our relationships. And some of these relational names that we're known by, we hold with high honor. But I wanna talk about the what if. What if the relationships in your life cause you the most pain? Or what if it's the relationships that you don't have in your life that cause you the most pain? And not just the what if but the win. When the relationships in your life don't make you tenderhearted, but they make you hardhearted. And when you've been shot down by people so many times, you can't remember the last time you've been accepted. When the relationships wound, do you sometimes ask, where is God? Do you see this? I wanna paint a picture for us, so go with me here. I want you to imagine that you're at the beach. You've got sand in your toes, there is a slight breeze in the air, it's, it's beginning to be um, evening, so the sun is just starting to set. There's some purple and orange in the sky. And you're surrounded by your family and friends. It's peaceful, it's calm. And Jesus is there too. You've actually spent most of the day listening to him as he's talking to people and sharing stories. And as the day is ending, he points to one of the boats and he says, hey, let's get on one of those boats and let's go to the other side of the sea. You agree, you're up for an adventure and you're curious about him. So you and your crew, and Jesus, you get in this boat and you set sail. And as you're sailing along, a storm suddenly appears in the horizon and it seemingly comes out of nowhere. And it's a big one. It's violent and it's severe and it's got hurricane force winds. And the winds start to pick up so much speed that you can't even walk on the boat deck. You're stumbling and you're falling. And you can't even hear your own voice as you call out to your friends. And the waves start to crash and to surge over the sides of the boat. And the efforts that you have in trying to get the water off the side, it's, it's not really working and getting this storm under control. You're afraid, and you're actually starting to panic. The storm is getting worse. It's inevitable that you're going to sink. This wasn't supposed to be like this. But then you remember that Jesus is there, and so you frantically start looking for him on the boat. He's probably got buckets, and he's getting water over the side, or he's instructing people on what to do next. 
And so you stumble your way across the boat deck until you find him. And to your surprise, Jesus is asleep. He's got his head on a pillow and he's asleep. You're annoyed and you're a little bit confused. And by that time, your friends have found Jesus too and you guys huddle around him and nudge him awake. And the question that you guys all ask simultaneously as you're looking at Jesus in the middle of the raging storm, is it nothing to you that we're going down? Is it nothing to you that I'm in the middle of this storm? Is it nothing to you that I've been betrayed? Is it nothing to you that I've been disappointed? Is it nothing to you that I'm in a relationship that I don't know how to get out of? Is it nothing to you that when I think community, I think pain? Why are you asleep? Does my storm mean anything to you? And I think when we ask this question, there's an underlying question here. Is does God care? Does God care about me? Does God care about my relationships? God, do you care? One of my favorite names for Jesus is Emmanuel. And in Hebrew, it means God with us. And it's used several times in the narrative to tell us about the coming of Jesus. A virgin will give birth and he will be called Emmanuel. Jesus will be called God with us. God with us is Jesus. And the narrative of Jesus tells us that Jesus knows what it means to be in relationship with other people. He's a son, he's a brother, and he's a friend. But the narrative of Jesus takes a turn that we may not expect when we think about God. And after years of, of teaching and preaching and healing, Jesus is mocked and misunderstood by the very people that spent the most time with him. He's denied and he's betrayed by some of his closest friends, by his inner circle. He's arrested and no one vouches for him or has his back or speaks on his behalf. He's beaten and he's bruised and he's nailed to a cross and he dies there. And he does all of this because being in relationship with you is what he has in mind. The death of Jesus demonstrates to us that he cannot be apathetic because he's walked through some of the same relational wounds as us to an even greater degree. And he's walked through them for us. And the cross of Jesus tells us that he knows what it means to be hurt. He knows what it feels like to be abandoned, and he knows what it feels like to be disappointed, and he knows what it feels like to be alone. So as you wake Jesus up in the storm and you ask him his question, he hears your voice over the roar of the wind and the waves, and he tells you that he cares because he's with you. God cares about our relationships, and he cares about our relationships because he is with us. And on Good Friday, we remind that Jesus went through everything that he went through so that he could be near to us. Lindsay said that Jesus' death proves that God is not apathetic towards us. I love that. What a great reminder for all of us on this Good Friday, that God does love us, that he is near us, and he cares for our relationships. The cross reminds us of that. Thank you, Lindsay, what a great perspective. Uh, many of us have been impacted economically by what's going on in our world today. And money holds a special place in all of our lives. It's something that we look to for security, but the Christian faith offers us a different perspective. The Christian faith offers us security that extends beyond just what's in our bank account because we believe that God provides for us. But during seasons like this, even those of us who are strong in our belief system, we have to ask the question, does God care about my money? Does he care about my job? Does he care about providing for me? In fact, the real question is, does God really provide for me at all? My friend Darren is going to talk with us about that right now. Here's Darren. 
Hey guys, I'm Darren Short, and I'd like to talk with you a little bit today about money and provision. Have you ever, ever had a moment of need and thought to yourself, where's God at in that process? Where, what role does he have? Um, will he intervene? Is he for me in those moments? And the reality of life is that we all have needs. I was even reminded the other day that even famous psychologists acknowledged this reality uh, Abraham Maslow, and he talked about his hierarchy of needs, things that we need uh, from a basic perspective, like food, water, shelter, even security and stability. But the reality is that we all have needs. And so um, one of the things that's interesting about our culture is that we've valued things like radical individualism, independence, financial independence. And so as we live in this culture, uh, one of the things that, that we find is that maybe even though wealth and some of the blessing we've experienced as a nation has been great, perhaps it's contributed a little bit to uh, the fact that maybe we see ourselves as our own provider or that we can meet all of our own needs. Occasionally we get these things called reality checks and reality checks are one of those things where we come to terms that maybe, with maybe the fact that we can't provide for ourselves or that we are not as in control of our life as we once thought. So where is God in our time of need? Is he really there for us? Will he provide for us? Well, I'd like to read you something from the Bible out of Matthew chapter six, and Jesus talks about provision in this way. This is why I tell you never to be worried about your life. For all that you need will be provided, such as food, water, clothing, everything your body needs. Isn't there more to your life than a meal? Isn't your body more than clothing? Look at the birds. Do you think they worry about their existence? They don't plant or reap or store up food. Yet your heavenly Father provides them each with food. Aren't you much more valuable than your father to your father than they are? So which one of you by worrying could add anything to your life? So here's some things to consider. The Bible paints God as both creator and provider. And so think about this, everything that God has, uh, he's a creator, he owns it all. He's got unlimited, endless resources. The other thing to consider is that it's in God's nature to provide. Everything that God does flows out of who he is. And the other thing is that God delights to meet our needs. In fact, he's looking for ways to bless us, ways to show up in our life. And so those are important things to consider. Perhaps maybe the most profound way that God has provided for us is even through something that we know as the cross. I can't help but think about the sacrifice that Jesus made when he died on the cross. Really, it was a reflection of God's heart to provide for us something that we couldn't do for ourselves. And so as Jesus died and, and through the resurrection, we really uh, were taken care of in that moment through our most profound need, which is really forgiveness of sins and the healing of our heart. And so what do we know? We know that we all face trials and difficulties at different times. And I think those are opportunities for us, moments where we can encounter God, who, what he's like, who he is. And the other thing is that faith isn't so much of a denial of the existence of a need or even a problem. Um, what it is is more of an opportunity to begin to trust God and to step into letting him offer us solutions, things that we can't do for ourselves. And then finally, God knows what we need even before we ask. But there's something even in the asking process that begins to develop what I think about as relational intimacy, 
We have to be vulnerable. We have to acknowledge that we can't take care of ourselves in the way that we would maybe like to, but God can do a much better job of that. And so asking is a powerful thing. So I wanna encourage you today, whether you're a person of faith or uh, you're not religious at all, what would it be like to begin to experiment giving your needs, expressing your needs to God? I wonder what creative ways he may meet you in your time of need and provide for you with all of his resources that he has available.